In this episode of What the Prophets Say, I'm joined once again by Prophet Phil Sanderson and Sam Robertson and myself, Emma Stark. Oh my, we're talking demons. We're talking, what do you do with them? Do you have them? And normalizing a true biblical spirituality where the spirit realm is all alive and active and we don't get freaked out by it. Come and join us for this episode of What the Prophets Say. Hello, my family and friends in podcast world. We are so delighted to welcome you to another episode, an action-packed episode of What the Prophets Say. And we have our hot drinks in hand. We have the three of us back round the table. Phil Sanderson, we're going to miss you when you go back up the road on the train to Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Aberdream. <laughs> My mum's from Aberdeen and that's what she calls it. Aberdream. Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Yeah. So all of you who are not British will be getting out your Google Maps and typing in Aberdeen and seeing just quite how far north it is. We, we had a prophet with us this last weekend and she was talking about, she's from, from the south of England, she was talking about, oh, you know, and I was going up to see some friends in the north. And then she kind of stopped herself and said, that's quite south for you guys. <laughs> it is, yes. The north of England and the north of Scotland are quite a drive. Very different. Very different places. So Sam, Phil and myself are back together for another episode. Now, you will know that for two episodes, I have alluded to the fact that we might have demons and we might need to talk about it. So can we fulfil our promise to the listeners to have a demonology conversation and an open, honest conversation about the fact that we all have stuff, we all have junk. Can a Christian have a demon? That sort of conversation. Let me start with um, just unpacking the word sozo, which is awfully misused on occasions. Mm -hmm. But shall we try to be biblical about it? it? I think we have talked about this in previous episodes or certainly alluded to it because it's something that I teach fairly frequently in some of the demonology uh, sessions that we would teach on. And that is the fact that embedded in the concept of sozo, which is the Greek word that we translate in scripture as salvation, it is a more nuanced, layered word than just straightforward, I repent and I'm saved. And it actually, as many of you will know, means saved, healed and delivered. It's Mm. a very fulsomely wonderful word of what happens to us in our journey with Jesus Christ. And so the concept, not that that happens in a moment, but that it happens as a continual outworking. I am walking out to my salvation, Mm. quoting another scripture, with fear and trembling. Trembling. That there is a sense that I take the portions of saved, healed and delivered and I'm applying them to my well-being all the time. So in other words, I am continually confessing my sin. Mm -hmm. I am continually acknowledging my need of a saviour and a Lord. I am continually in confession of Jesus Christ as my Saviour and Lord, not in any way that it didn't hold the first time. I wouldn't want to imply that at all. But I want to say that it's a lifestyle where I continually acknowledge my dependence on him. So I am continually in repentance for the things that I stuff up on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking out my salvation. I'm walking out my repentance before God, saved. Let's move on to healed. I am walking out the need that 
there is sickness in my body, that I live in a fallen world. And therefore, in the fallenness of the world, I am contending for others on my own well-being. I'm looking at scriptures that say that those that wait on the Lord renew their strength. I'm looking at scriptures that, that in the New Testament that say just as your soul prospers, so may your body prosper. Mm. We are dealing with those kind of concepts. We are looking at the continual need to, you know, to renew strength and contend to be well and steward our physical frames with health and exercise. Similarly, we apply the concept of deliverance, saved, healed, delivered to the word sozo, that not only do I repent and strive for my healing mm. in the name of Jesus, strives maybe the wrong, pursue my pursue. healing is a better word, in the name of Jesus. But I also acknowledge that I can open the door to the demonic by nonsense from my life. And as Proverbs says about uh, the snake coming in through a hole in the hedge, I can accidentally create, sometimes willingly, but mostly accidentally create a hole in my hedge of my life by my disobedience or by my sin that doesn't just need repented of, but sometimes also needs delivered I need deliverance. So the concept of can we have a demon and is that part of my lifestyle is a wholehearted yes. Now, does that need to be a yucky, awful, you know, yeah. uh, oppressive, overwhelm? No, I think as soon as you realize that you've done something that is displeased God, you repent and you cast that thing out and you bar it from having any access to your life and you live a lifestyle of very short accounts and very quick cleansing and putting the enemy outside of your sphere by continual prayers and understanding that that's not a weird thing or a strange thing or an overwhelming thing. That's just a normal part of your life. Now, that's me taking time to set the scene of Sozo and to therefore say, do we all have some active sin? I hope not, but probably. Do we all have some active healing issues? I hope not, but Probably. Probably. Do we all have some place where there's probably a demon with his hand in us because we're doing something that we shouldn't? I hope not, but probably. Phil? Yeah, I mean, gosh, I remember back in the early days whenever I, I first came to university and I'm, I, I mean, I come from a Northern Irish Presbyterian background. My dad's a Presbyterian minister. So I've kind of yeah. brought up in the context of the church, but but not really in the things of the spirit, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, even my dad was much more in the spirit than I even realized, you know? But but you don't necessarily see that whenever you're growing up in the midst of it. And, yeah. and um, I remember getting to university and just kind of getting serious with the Lord and a bunch of guys and we came together and we just, we just mm-hmm. started trying to prophesy over one another and getting it horrendously wrong, <laughs> you know? As, as you do when you Remember start. Yeah, yeah. Yes. just getting it horrendously yes. And someone would say, oh, you know, I just sense that there's a spirit of lust in the room. And I'm like, okay, we're all 19. None of us have girlfriends. That's a, that's a sure thing. That's yes. a sure thing. Yes. Of course, yes. there's a spirit of love. <laughs> that's a spirit of faith. You know, and that, you know, that, that, that's, that's that just really. going to be there. But yes. you know, but later on, it starts to get more nuanced. It's yes. okay. Is it a spirit of competition with yes. the church down the road? Yes. Is it is it pride? Oh, you know, we're experiencing God, but they're not. We're, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're seeing healing, but they're not. You know, mm-hmm. and it's 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 not yeah. allowing the door to be opened to yeah. the enemy to come in and just mess with you. Yeah, you know, it's keeping yes. the, yeah. the the short accounts with the yeah. Lord. Yeah, and can we just demystify this concept of having an open door to the demonic? Because I think often um, those of us, especially that have been Christian for quite some time, are aware of mm-hmm. good practices and poor yes. practices. We'll think, yeah. well, I don't open doors. You know, they I don't just, watch. Yeah. You know 
what you know Harry Potter or I don't you know use oh, a Ouija board I did. sorry I had to put that in first it's just a soapbox as well I don't you know I've not done it I've not watched anything grimy on the internet so how yes. can I have an open door I think open doors actually come in that you didn't have enough sleep you let down your guard you got offended you didn't realize you got offended offense is and, a it, massive and it festers one. slowly yes. and slowly or you didn't eat enough you got hangry <laughs> you know you got irritated you got better at someone because yes. you didn't like their tone of voice or their communication or you were offended by the way someone looked at you or mm-hmm. hurt by something they said disproportionately but you weren't aware mm-hmm. and it grew and it festered and it creates a wedge that opens a door that allows something of the demonic to come and land, to come mm-hmm. and have a foothold. And so yep. what I want to say is, look, number one, there is no shame in having weak moments Absolutely. where the door opens. But we now have to demystify the need for self-deliverance and the need yes. that we live in a world that requires us to be aware that there are days where we sometimes on purpose but most of the time accidentally open a door to demons and that's okay because we are empowered by the spirit to get free so some of you are aware of this i want to just brush anything of shame off you right now because you think how did i get myself into this mess i must be such a failure well look there is liberation and there is freedom and it could have just been offense i actually think i was talking to to friends this weekend that you know we talk about the zeitgeists or the spirit of the the age i think my right to be offended is the spirit of the age and offense and that underlying tone and actually it's a massive door opener and we've got to be able to say and here's a simple prayer that I'm giving to you as our listeners and watchers. Jesus, I got offended and I'm sorry. I yeah. repent for my offense towards and how that opened the door to the demonic. And in mm-hmm. Jesus' name, I break agreement with whatever demon came in. I, I think that spirit of offense, which I think you're right, is the spirit of the age right now, um, comes from this wrong thought that I should always live comfortable. I should always live happy nothing should ever be allowed to come into my world that challenges me and yet the story of scripture is iron sharpens iron iron. and the sense that um leaders give account for you and in the giving account for you there is a holy spirit Mm -hmm. challenge and most of us and i've said this so many times but most of us when we're moving or leaving a church do it in bad grace because something challenged us and rather than say thank you jesus that your word says faithful are the The wounds wounds of of a friend friend. i chose over offense and bitterness over the joy of the adventure of sharpening of i get to grow and i get to grow and that sense of actually you were made to grow in challenge and you were made to be one who can bear the weight of sometimes some quite difficult situations and that i mean that's really just a comment less on 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 demonic oppression but on a sense of i think probably in all of us at some point there is a demon of offense that because we all sit in it Mm -hmm. can can we just bring this into scripture yes because i think it's important that we recognize that scripture is is full of this stuff this yes. isn't like a fringe charismatic thing absolutely this is this is this is rooted in scripture so the offense thing offense is a variation of unforgiveness right yes. and so oh you know, hang on just say that again 
Well, offence is a variation of unforgiveness. Offence is a variation of unforgiveness. Wow. Whoa. So in wow. one of the parables, Jesus talks about the unforgiving servant. Mm-hmm. And they are holding the sin, the debt of the person who doesn't owe much against them. Mm-hmm. You know, they yes. owe, they owe the king a huge amount. He forgives their debt. They then go out, find someone who owes them a small amount, shakes them and yep. stuff. And then someone sees it, reports to the king, and the king says, well, throw them into prison to be tormented until they take back everything, pay back everything that they owe. So unforgiveness becomes a self-imposed prison of demonic torment in our life. Phil, you have to preach this. Yes, you do. (laughs) So it becomes becomes a self-imposed prison. Yes. Because we're in there because of our own doing, because of our own offense, because mm. of our own unforgiveness. Wow, wow, wow. But we open ourselves up to being a demonic playground because we are unwilling to forgive the little, even though God has forgiven us so much. Wow. And almost that sense of a disregard for the, the Corinthian scripture that says, now um, view no, no one from a worldly point of view. Yeah. In other words, that sense of not weighing and assessing and testing people in the same way that the world does. We yeah. don't view people from in the way that the world feels it can of scoring and testing and judging. And even, I think, the sense in Scripture of I bless those who persecute me whole, and I bless my enemies holds us to this incredibly high standard that I must bless first, whether I agree with them or not. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is that we could go in two directions with this. We yeah. could go down the pastoral road of leading people to a place of forgiveness mm-hmm. yep. and, and, and all that. And that's great and that's right. Has but I don't think, that's, I don't think yep. that's the purpose of what we're talking about. No. Because we want people to recognize that the demonic is all over Scripture. It's all in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we often don't realize it either because it's in parables like that or because we're reading it in English. Yes. So like Psalm 91, take that for instance. The, the, you're hidden under the shadows of his wing, a favorite. S- especially over lockdown, no plagues should come near my tent, you know, all yes. this kind of yes. stuff. But do you know that there are six named demons in that Psalm in the original version? No, quickly, we're all scrolling there. I'm like, <laughs> and my head's going through it. Okay, yeah. so, you know, so one of them is no the- No terror the, shall the, find the, me, yeah. Yeah, the terror. Deborah yeah. et Sahar, the, the, the noonday demon. Yeah. Now, we didn't wow. know this during the, the translation process because uh-huh. it's only come up through through archaeology. Yeah. So whenever it says, no arrow shall harm me by, by day, day, the yeah. noonday demon was mm-hmm. depicted as an archer in Canaanite religion. So you mm-hmm. had this Canaanite mm-hmm. archer deity demon yeah. thing that was firing arrows at, mm-hmm. the, at the people of God. So the psalmist is saying, I will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrows that fly by day, day. Yes, because good. of this connection and recognizing you know what this is a demonic entity. Yeah. Wow. The the, the kateh, pestilence, the debar, the, mm. the noonday demon, all these things they're they're they're, they're embedded in, in the text as normal. But we don't see it yeah. because it's in English. It really is that sense of the lifestyle that I must live, not in fear. Yeah. And not in, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, did I, did I let a demon in? Not in panic, but in the very yeah. genuine 
easy rhythms that come to you in the name of Jesus yeah. by his power. Oh, I stumbled. Yeah. Oh, there's an oppression. An open door. Oh, yeah. oh we, together in my community, we just deal with that. And we don't get too hit up and we don't give the enemy a wrong place. We we uh, magnify the name of Jesus. And at the same time, we agree together for all of our cleansings. You see, if I say to you and put you on the spot or you do the same back to me, you know, Emma, what's your key demon right now? What What are you in partnership with? Phil, you know, what demon is, not, not that we say it in an accusatory way, Sam, can, tell me what you're struggling with. And there's probably a demon behind it. Mm-hmm. The reality of it is we are all individually unlikely to be able to answer that. We might have a little bit of a stab at yeah. it if there's a very obvious besetting sin in our lives. But most of the time we're a bit like, well, I have a blind spot and I'm doing, I am genuinely doing the best I know how to do. Mm-hmm. And most of us, most of the time within the context of our circumstances are genuinely doing the best we know how to do. And sometimes it's a rough old day and you're just doing the best you can, which is why you need a community around about you who will gently love you and say, can I just minister to you right now? Mm-hmm. And are you okay with that and we seek each other's permission for invading each other's private spaces so that we can love each other well enough and I think that we're looking as a, at a ministry as, as the Global Prophetic Alliance as a staff team um, at our top five values. Now, what I mean by that is not the value for prophecy or the value for warfare or the value for, because those are ministry values. What we're actually looking at is values in our interpersonal connections, in our relationships. What do we value between each other rather than what do we value as ministry outcomes? And one of the values of the five that we have set, because if you've got more than five, you probably don't have any, is truth and honesty and we are valuing as a staff team that we tell each other honest truth and that is done with other values another one of our values is generosity and so we we're generously kind we're generously permission giving to each other but the combination of generosity and bold truth telling and honesty with each other means that we create a framework where we love each other well enough to say is that a struggle can I help you out with that and we know that that's a shorthand way for saying you've got stuck or something's got stuck to you that we need to get off you Mm. aka some kind of demon but in the culture of normalizing that it's not an embarrassing big deal for anybody and I think that word there that you used, I would like to put it next to, to the word demonic. I, it sounds bizarre. You'd never expect to hear it as a quote, but that we need to normalize the demonic. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds bizarre, but when something is abnormal, it carries a sense of power. Mm-hmm. When something is abnormal, when something is unusual or not common, it's spectacular. And so this whole concept about how we talk about demons and our partnership with demons and whether we open doors to them or not, or we have weak moments, yeah. when we are hushed and, oh, don't talk about that, and we keep it quiet and it's a secret and we do it behind closed doors, yeah. it brings a sense of power to the demonic, but also brings a sense of shame to others mm-hmm. who may be in bondage themselves and need to know the truth. Yes, there are demons. Yes, there are weak moments but boy is there liberation and there's power to be set free and in normalizing the demonic in our 
conversation. What I mean is yes. the conversation always comes to a place of, yes, I can see you're struggling, or yes, this is there, but there's liberation, and I'm going to walk with you through that. And I, I think that it, it comes back to a fundamental reading of, of, of Scripture mm. a lot of the time, where we recognize that that intercommunity inter dynamic is actually part of the weapons of our warfare. Yes. You know, peace, love, joy, openness, freedom, all this sort of stuff. So mm -hmm. each of the fruit of the spirit is actually a weapon of our warfare mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And the the one of the things that we need to get to grips with whenever we're reading scripture is that the primary meaning of scripture is what the people who wrote it intended it to mean. Yes, you, you have to put it back in that context. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So whenever we come to scripture with a post-enlightenment rationalistic worldview, then we try to separate the, getting back to what we talked about before a few episodes ago, yes. the seen and the unseen, the visible, mm -hmm. the invisible, the yep. spiritual and the, and, and the natural. Yes. Whereas actual fact, the people who wrote this, they did not have that There's dichotomy. No divide. Yeah. There's no divide. They didn't have yeah. the dichotomy. Yes. So that what was going on within the, the various different churches that was going yeah. on, they recognized the spiritual dynamics within the city that they lived, but they recognized that they were overcomers in the midst of it. Yes. So the concept then of um, uh, I have a spirit living in my flesh is not odd to them as it seems to our rational mind. No. We already have an indwelling Holy yeah. Spirit. Uh, we we should be comfortable with the concept that there are spirits that live inside flesh. Yeah, or attach themselves to or attach like themselves to some it. kind of limpet or something. It, but, it, yes, but you see, you have you have this whole whole concept going on here of this this spiritual warfare dynamic because whenever the kingdom of God comes mm -hmm. in, there is a displacement that takes place. The the limpet gets taken off the 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 thing that's attached gets dealt yeah, with the, so yeah. the, the first person to do any kind of deliverance in the bible was jesus mm. yes and i think it, it, the 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 problem of the divide between the flesh and the spirit makes us feel spooky about demons yeah. can i tell you where the division is between the kingdom of god and the kingdom of darkness yeah. Yeah. not between my spirit and my flesh and the understanding that they they in they they collide and interact and what I do in the natural realm can have effect in the spiritual realm and so on so we're looking at you know Jesus the redeemer versus the destroyer the whole time and uh, and the that is the the war the war should not be over myself and my shame and my it should be over the fact that uh, I don't want the destroyer anywhere near me. Yeah. I want the redeemer, Jesus Come Christ. On. And we are in a warfare of the two kingdoms. Now, if you want to know more about deliverance ministry, I've just recorded a, a podcast, not a podcast, e this is a podcast, uh, an e-course called Demon Busting with Emma Star. And we go into can a Christian have a demon. So make sure that you jump over to uh, be able to uh, 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 purchase that and download that. Some really rich, rich teaching in that. Can you talk... Phil, because I know that you um, have some good thoughts on um, being mindful of the Redeemer versus the Destroyer. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus is right. Jesus is telling John this vision in Revelation. Yes. He tells him, write to the church at Pergamon. Yes. I know where you live. <laughs> Slightly terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I know where you live, where Satan's throne is, where Satan dwells. And we think, oh well, Satan's throne was that the high altar of Zeus? Maybe yeah. was that was that the 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 Acropolis that all these pagan temples are on? Well, maybe. I've actually had people say to me, "Is that New York?" 
Is that in, New York? In, in modern day. Where is Satan's throne? Is it New York? No. <laughs> but but you see, John is writing this. Yeah. And this is the only time this phrase where Satan dwells is in mm-hmm. scripture. Mm-hmm. He's not thinking metaphorically. He's thinking Satan actually lives in Pergamon. Yes. And it isn't just where he yes. lives. It's where his throne is, which means that's where his demonic court is, which means you have all these principalities and powers trafficking in and out of Pergamon through this demonic hierarchy that's going on in the kingdom of darkness. Yes. And so you have this church. That dear, is dear, love them. Right in the <laughs> devil's front garden. Uh, yes. yes. Uh-huh. Oh, dear. And they're, they're having to deal with stuff. And, uh, you know, what Jesus is saying to them is... Listen, stop capitulating to the world, repent, turn to the Lord, and I'm going to give you the hidden manna. Wow. You know, so, I mean, what, yeah. what, what's the hidden manna? Where do we see the hidden manna? Where do we not see the hidden manna? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, the Bible actually tells us where there's hidden manna. So you had manna that you got every day. Yep. It was the bread of the angels, the wheat of heaven, it yep. says. Uh, and you have this this hidden manna, but where you have this manna, but where's the hidden manna? Well, the hidden manna was put in a gold urn and stuck inside the Ark of the Covenant. Absolutely. So the hidden manna that Jesus promises is prom- as access to the very presence of God and the covenant of and, God. And, and the, the symbolism of, of that, yeah. yes, exactly, yes. By exactly. saying, I will give you as a reward hidden manna, it's saying to the church in Pergamum, I will give you access, access to, to my, my most secret place. Yeah. Exactly, yes. exactly. And so this becomes part of our weapons of warfare if we're living in the front garden of the devil. Well, oh my goodness, there's so much to be said on this because I've had visions over years where on different occasions I've seen Satan move house. Literally, physically, because of course he's bound to this earth. This Mm. earth is his home. And wherever he is, is is the city Babylon because Mm -hmm. he he brings his city with him. Mm -hmm. And just as when God descends, he brings his city with him. So uh, I do think that Satan has moves i don't know that he's necessarily in Pergamum now but he actually has a physical place on the earth oh yeah because oh, he's very clearly he's a being in time and space yeah. yes he's that's very he's but he's but but the interesting thing for that is he's only ever in one, one place, place because he's not omniscient omnipotent and omnipresent mm-hmm. he is in one place knowing one thing at a time with a limited power uh, yeah battery behind him yeah And what we see within the book of Revelation, we see this polemic, Mm -hmm. this this writing against the spiritual powers and authorities that were there at the time. Mm -hmm. One of the big ones, you talk about the destroyer. Well, in uh, Revelation 9, it talks about the king over the pit, Apollyon. Yes. which means destroyer, yes. which is a reference to the Greek god Apollo, Apollo yep, yep. who was the sun god. He was the god of prophecy. He was the yep. god of, of the miraculous and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And John's saying, Apollo doesn't shine like the sun. Jesus, Jesus shines, shines like, like, like the, the sun. sun. And the com- a- yes, the comparison. Apollo isn't the god of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Jesus is a one of miracles. In fact, Apollo, he's the destroyer. Yeah. In fact, you've seen him before because he's in the Old Testament. He's called Abaddon in the Old Testament. And really that scripture in Revelation 
alerting us to the fact that there's a ma- he masquerades. Yeah. And actually, he can look like prophecy, he can look like light, but actually, you've got to know the difference between Jesus the Redeemer and Jesus the Destroyer. And you're suddenly in a whole load of different scriptures about testing spirits yeah. and about beware in latter days those who will be taught by demons and those kind of concepts that, that really we need to be on our mm. spiritual warfare game to know that we can easily be led astray. You therefore need a community around about you who are able to say that is redemption in Jesus that actually looks like you're being sidetracked by something that looks good but is actually Apollo or the destroyer or Satan yeah. so you made a wee sip of the tongue there you said Jesus the redeemer or Jesus the destroyer oh sorry I right? meant Apollo but, the destroyer but, sorry but let's, let's backtrack on that, <laughs> oh no okay? that is quite yes be- because <laughs> well there spotted. are things that Jesus will destroy yeah. true that is right? true and the word in Jeremiah 1 where it says about tearing yeah. down and destroying oh, and is, up, is yes. the word abad Yes. For destroy. It's the same word as Abaddon, the root word for destroyer. That's, yes. that's this, this personification of destruction that's named mm-hmm. identity. And the thing is, in the prophetic, part of our job is to tear down. Part of our job is to destroy yeah. old structures. But we yes. can never partner with the spirit of destruction, which yeah. is Abaddon. And so a lot of the time within the prophetic, we legitimately see things that are wrong. We go after it. But there comes this time where we where we flip over and we start partnering with the wrong spirit. Oh, you which gotta then preach! Which becomes criticism, which becomes destruction yeah. that is demonic, rather than That's tearing good. down in order to build up. I, I tell you yeah. how I see this manifested the most is when prophets get really disproportionately angry. Yeah. And it's not done with a, a, a tear down of love because I, I look, I know what it's like to be disciplined. You guys know what it's like to be disciplined. And sometimes it's very obvious, but sometimes even, you know, when my mentor has had to chat to me and I feel so loved and it's only when I've left that I think, oh, I was. Oh, that was a rebuke. Oh, that was a rebuke. <laughs> and I don't think I spotted it in the moment because it's so beautifully done. And I think sometimes when you see the prophets with anger and and the, uh, because we do have to bring the word of the Lord, which which sometimes is judgment. You're always looking whenever you're partnering with the justice or the judgment of God for an element of how does this get restored? Yeah, redemption. There's always a redemption element to it or a what is going to take its place yeah. it is for our good. When you just see yeah. anger, I think you're right. And there decimation. is And desperation. There is a partner with destruction, yeah. the destruction of Apollo or Abaddon, depending whether they are Old Testament or New Testament, versus a partnership with Jesus who destroys to redeem on occasions. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, beware, beware, beware. It's why the word of God says, test the spirits. Yes, very helpful. Sam, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I think, you know, test the spirits that, you know, apply it in your own life. Actually, is this, uh, 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 what is the fruit of my life? Is the fruit of my life this demonic destruction or is there redemption there as mm-hmm. well? When when we're prophesying or we're bringing revelation or in conversation, yes. whatever it may be. And really um, just uh, kind of as we land, uh, personalizing this with this whole idea of demons and, you know, can a Christian have a demon and can we be bound? Yes. 
yes, there are moments, but yes. there is always redemption in that. Yes. And I think that has to be the super narrative that we speak. And we now have to start to speak that out over the church. And actually, if we had this conversation in our people, would we see as much messes relationally in the church yeah. as we do right now? And actually, I do think, how many messes do we see, do we walk through? Sorry, the- mess. 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 What, what do I say? Mass. Not no, mass. No, it was mess. just a Scottish accent. Mess. Me, I don't know how to say it otherwise. Messies, M E W S E S. Yeah, I think that's how you spell not, it. Not the football player. No, Messies. How many? How many times do we see a mess? And actually, we yes. think if you just dealt with that little demon that came in, you know, however many weeks ago, yeah. Short, we would never have uh, gone. Here, here's the thing. I said to my people all the time, the devil can't hang his hat on your life if you don't give him a peg to hang it on. Yeah, Very good. Deliverance isn't about removing the hat; it's about removing the peg. Yeah. Very good. And yeah. getting rid of the the peg for the devil to hang stuff on. Mm-hmm. If we would just stop partnering with these various <laughs> things, we would our life would be so much more easy. Yeah. Mm, totally, we wouldn't have as much of this stuff going on within our lives if we just started partnering with Jesus instead of partnering with the devil. And I do think we can make this much more straightforward particularly you are loyal listeners we can make this much more straightforward by just having these kind of conversations oh i thought i saw a demon or maybe i thought i partnered with something or maybe i and the the normalizing of the conversation of the reality that we are into clashing kingdoms it really helps so you're not necessarily going to turn a church around or turn all your friends around with a click of the fingers into this but certainly you can start the conversations where, where even though they may not agree with you you just normalize the conversation Absolutely. that these things exist can, can i just say this like i said this is not hyper spiritual charismatic no. mumbo absolutely biblical scholars have been looking at this for years yes years and years and years so the 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 baal of tar was 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 we know from our culture was was baal malkart malkart then goes over to the ammonites becomes milcom Milcom goes south and becomes Molech. Okay, these are things. And that there's were, a name we suddenly recognise. There's a name we suddenly recognise because Molech, or how you pronounce it, is the god to which the Israelites sacrificed children. So who is he? Well, who is who is Ezekiel writing about? In Ezekiel twenty-eight, he's writing about the Prince of Tyre. Oh, it's a it's a tough old ch- God beats his fists against those who. Yeah, I have preached that scripture which, which, with which fear and trembling. Heart. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So whenever Elijah's facing off against the prophets of Baal, he's facing off against literal child sacrificing devil worshippers. Yes. That's who he's, uh, uh, undeniably, which is why he puts them to the sword. And it's that sense of biblical literacy that takes us there mm-hmm. and mm. and under and understands, Absolutely. yeah, and understands the need to normalize warfare. And then you have this partnership thing because it tells us in one Kings fifteen mm-hmm. that whenever Solomon was had all these wives, he started to devote himself to Milcom of the Ammonites. And they turned his heart away. It's a terrifying scripture yeah. in what Solomon's wives did to him. And mm. they turned his heart because away. Because he aligned himself with, with that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow, wow, yes. wow. And how easily yep. to, a little to, door a little door a turns your heart away. Absolutely. And the need for the conversations and the short accounts and the community round about you. And people always say, Look, what I get told when I talk about anything that is very um, seemingly spiritual in in orientation, people always say, but I don't have that near me. Can I just sound like a broken record? 
You become it. You start it. You form it. You have the conversations. The responsibility is on you now to start to say, yeah, I saw this angel, I saw yeah. this demon, I'm getting free. Yeah. And and it's not a big deal. And we don't say it in hushed tones, you know, behind closed doors. We normalize mm. this. And you will find, I guarantee you, that those who are not yet saved will love you for it because they already understand poltergeists <laughs> and spirits that appear oh my dead granny was at the end of my bed that is incredibly common mm -hmm. that is not a good thing please so you've got to know that neither your dead granny at the end of your bed that is not your dead granny at the end of your bed that's a masquerading demon but the world knows this stuff i wonder whether we could say we are the least spiritual people on the planet the people of god in the church mm -hmm. uh, but we've got to be discerning yes at all i mean i, yes. I was uh, hearing a story about a guy who saw the devil at the end of his bed and then ended yes. up dying of a heart attack. But as it turned out, it was an ape that escaped from the zoo. Oh. <laughs> you know, and he's just freaking out because he had no discernment, right? It was an ape that escaped oh, from the zoo. Goodness. Bill Sanderson, we have loved having you with us. And we are so grateful that you jumped on the train from Aberdeen, Aberdeen. Aberdeen this morning and came down to record these episodes Ooh, with us. Thank you. Uh, thank you. So our, our viewers, listeners, is a podcast. Our listeners will uh, just be, uh, have been so richly blessed by you. And I think we definitely need to have you again yeah. on what the prophets say we will talk to you loyal listeners next time bye thank you for listening to another episode of what the prophets say with me emma stark you clearly ooze stamina may i gently encourage you to jump over to our website propheticscots.com where you can download my e-course the Prophetic Warrior, nine highly interactive sessions that will equip and train you to hear the voice of God with ease. Make sure that you subscribe and like and share this podcast. You don't want to miss all the things we have coming up for you.